give honor to the Lord. I give honor to my beloved wife. Amen. I give honor to each and every one of you in your respective places to minister. Amen. Um, today is truly a wonderful day. Amen. To be alive. Amen. And I'm just, I'm, I, I'm excited about this word. It's, and sometimes when I get excited about the word, it never turns out how I think it's going to turn out. It seems like I'm more excited than, you know, I'm thinking I got a good word and everybody going to be like, ooh, that's good, Pastor, and then be dead. And, and then when I when I just think I was like, oh, that's all right. Everybody be like, that was a good word today. But um, I'm excited about the word, amen. And I just, amen, I almost, um, she done went out the room. I got to wait on her. Um, just around maybe about 10.30 last night, I started reading and I didn't stop to maybe one, one something. Amen. Just in, just in my word, in my journals, just reading. Um, and God never ceases to amaze me. He never ceases to blow my mind. And so for my title on today, I'm going to use Jesus wept. Amen. And you know I thought about my sister out there. Um, <laughs> That's an inside joke, amen. But I, I thought about my sister and I um this word that 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 so short that short verse, amen, has been with me for the past two weeks. Um and on top of that, I almost I almost texted Teacher Tony last night around 12:40 into my reading because I just got so excited about what the Lord was showing me. Amen. Amen. Somebody go get her because she needs to hear this. Amen. Hallelujah. I just got so excited about um, what the Lord was showing me concerning her and her family. Amen. And, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's, God, he's, he's, just, he's just so good, y'all. I can't, that's an understatement, but he is just so good. And when I say he never ceases to amaze me, he always shows me that he has always been there. He always through my ups, through my downs, through my doubts, through my fears. I thought about um, I thought about Brother Janelle, Amen, and just the conversation we had over the break. And as I'm reading my journal, the very thing he's the very thing, Brother Janelle, you say you need to help with. God was showing me the season in my life when I was saying the exact same thing, when I was saying the exact same prayer, when I was saying, God, I need you to help me do this. And I start reading. I'm like, God, you know. You know, he asked him for this. You done already gave me the answer because I done been through it and you showed me what I did to get to where I am. So now I got an answer for my brother. I'm like, he just so good. It's like we go all these places searching for all of these things and God like, I'm always there. Like you don't have to go far to get the answer because I'm right here. Amen. And so the reason I said come get you because I'm like, I'm about to, it was 12, 40 and I'm about to shop. So I'm reading in my journal. I'm reading in my journal. So the title is Jesus Wept. And if, you know, I, I started because I, Lord, the Lord led me to this because, you know, we're doing lessons from the Father. And so as I began to read, I said, Jesus, why were you crying? So, of course, you have to read the whole chapter because it's just two words. Jesus wept. So you got to read the whole chapter to see why he's weeping. And so when you read the chapter 11 of John, you realize it's the story of Lazarus. Right. And so I'm reading in my journal, y'all. Y'all, this, this might not do nothing, y'all, but it, it did something to me. So I'm reading my journal from November 2011. And on that 
night, I want to say it was the 15th, November, because, and I thank God for my wife who made me start dating and putting the times of, of things, because before I didn't do that. But on November 15, 2011, the Lord, is, the Lord started to speak to me, and I started to write, you know, how I normally do. If you've been around me long enough, you know I started to write out prophecies around this time of year for different people in the church. Well, November 15, 2011, I see Anthony Cox. Right? I see Anthony Cox. And God has a prophecy about him resting and about him being resurrected and being delivered. And next to his name, it had John 11 and 25, which is what I had been reading all that week to preach today. But the thing that blew me away was when I went back into my phone, how many of y'all know where I came from on, on his homegoing service? John 11 in the story of Lazarus. Right? And so when I'm reading this in my journal from 2011, I'm saying, God, you already told us that this man is going to rest and he's going to be resurrected. Right? 12 years before it happened. Now see, that don't mean nothing to y'all. <laughs> that don't mean nothing to y'all, but you got to understand that God knows the beginning and the end, right? We just in this one spot in time, he's like, all right. And so doing that, if you it doing 2011 before Tony was even coming to church, yeah, yeah. he was coming to Bible study with Chelsea and Paige. He was at my house, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. And so he was able to receive that word before she right. So before you was even thinking about living for the Lord, glory, 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 glory. he was already given an answer, right? And you might be thinking, well, Pastor, well, I don't get it, but you can't. I didn't. I don't, I don't, I don't have the time. I, I was not sitting there when I did this home guard service around coming up uh, on a year. I didn't know that I had God had already prophesied that eleven years ahead of time. He brought me right back to it, as if to say, "Remember." That was the Holy Spirit, as if to say, "Remember." Right? You don't have anything to worry about. I've already told you this. I ain't talking about a couple of months before it happened. I'm talking about 11, 12 years before it happened. Right? And then, then the crazy thing, do y'all even know how I got to John 11 and 25 when I wrote the prophecy? It was based on the month and the time of night that I was writing it out. It was 11, 25 p.m. at night. That's how I got to John 11. Now, you can't tell me God won't do it. You can't tell me that he doesn't have us on his mind. Right? And so our second lesson from the Father is Jesus wept. Right? And as you read the story of Lazarus, you read it and you're thinking he's weeping because Lazarus died. He's weeping because we don't believe. He's weeping because... We don't believe. Yes, he's sad. He's sad to see these people lose their loved ones, but he's weeping because like, he knows, right? I got this. And like, why won't they believe? I want to go to the text. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
And the word says, and I'm going to read this whole chapter, so at any point you're ready to sit, just go on and sit. It says, now, at a, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and his sister Martha. And it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And I remember doing the homegoing service because I, I went back into my phone. I pulled up the notes I had from when I preached that service. I went back and I just remember how God was emphasizing that it was this Mary, right? This Mary who had poured out this oil. This was not a regular person. This was a person who had dedicated her life, who said, Lord, I believe in you, right? I remember emphasizing that, right? Like God has to answer because it's this Mary. It's just not some random person who is that doesn't love you and has never sought you that's asking you for something, God. But it's Mary who poured out her best ointment, right? Who washed your feet with her hair. It's that Mary. And I remember pointing out how sometimes like when we want things to happen or move in our life, and we're calling on God, and it does not look the way that we think it should look. We're like, but God is me, though, right? It's me, though, right? You're going to do it because it's me. Hallelujah. But the fourth verse tells us when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Hallelujah. Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, right? But he did not move with the same level of expediency that we want to move sometimes to go fix a problem. He just said, he ain't going to die, right? He's not going to die. What's happening to Lazarus is for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. And I know you might be thinking, ooh, you know, Lord, I, that just don't sit well with me. Why does something got to happen to me for you to be glorified? Why does somebody in my life got to get sick? Or why does somebody in my life got to die? Or why my child got to go through something? Why I got to go through this for you to, to be glorified? You got to keep reading the text. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The fifth verse says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So Jesus did not move. It wasn't that he, he, he didn't move quickly because he knew that Lazarus was going to be all right. It had nothing to do with his love for them. The Bible tells us that he loved Martha, he loved Mary, and he loves Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, the words say he just abode. He just stayed where he was for two days in the same place, the place where he was. Right? Jesus said, I'm just going to stay here for two days. And sometimes it feels like that in our life. As I was reading back through my journal, sometimes it just feels like, you know, I'm writing and I'm saying, God, where are you? And God, I'm stuck in God. You ain't moving. And God, not realizing that every single time I wrote or I asked God for something, he responded to me. Right? Even in my, even in when I'm saying, God, where are you? And he's talking back to me. He, he's telling me that I'm right here, but I can't even fathom that he's in the situation when he's literally talking to me. Right? The words that he just said, that he just abode where he was. 
Then after that saith he to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Right? That seventh verse. That seven is, is that perfect number. It's just like you just say, okay, now I'm ready to move. And that's the thing. When God gets ready to move, he's going to move. You can't speed him up. When he get ready to move in your baby life, he's going to move. When he get ready to move in your marriage, when he get ready to move in your singleness, when he get ready to move in your job, right? I've been there too. I've been I've been on that job wanting to leave that job and I'm tired and I'm hurting and I don't like the people and, and I'm angry and all of that. When God get ready to move, he going to move. You can't speed him up. He's just sitting there. He's just where he is doing what he does. And that's where we need to leave him because he knows what's best. Hallelujah. He's sitting there. He's like, you ain't going to die. You're going to be all right. Like what you're going through is not unto death, right? What you're going through is that I might be glorified. So I'm going back. You might be saying, God, why I got to go through this for you to be glorified? That just don't seem fair. You got to read the text. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late have sought to stone thee and go with there again. And see, so Jesus, right? Jesus is willing to walk in the face of everything knowing that he's going to come under persecution. Why? For you. Right? When God gets ready to move, he knows that the enemy and everybody that serves the enemy is not going to want or allow you to get your breakthrough. That's why his timing is perfect. That's why he works to the perfect time. Because he knows sometimes if he moves too fast, you won't be able to handle the blessing or you won't be able to handle the breakthrough. And when all that stuff starts coming against you, you're going to mess up something. So he got to wait to that perfect time where you're willing to just surrender. Where you're willing to just say yes. When you're willing to just trust him. When your faith is just strong enough. When you got the faith of a mustard seed. When it's just strong enough to move the mountain before you. If he moves before or after then, it might mess up everything else. So his disciples are like, God, are you sure you want to go? The timing is not right. Them people going to try to take you out if you go back. They just tried. Right? They just tried to take you out. But Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. Jesus basically saying, it's time for me to go. The day has arrived. It's time for me to go to work. And I need y'all to understand that when God get ready, he going to say, it's time for me to go to work. I got a season. I got a window to get this done. Right. I got a, I got a window that I can move in. Right. Where you're going to be able to receive what I'm trying to do. Right. If I do this at any other time, you won't be able to see it. I believe if your father passed at any other time, that would have took you out completely. If he had, a, if, if, if God had a took your father before you came to know the Lord, that would have took you out. You still you might not even be in this church on today. I believe, right? I started thinking about all of y'all, and I began to think about how God has always had me on the like on the perimeter of, of death when people are, I saw when my wife put her dad in the ground in the strength that she had. Right? Sister Khadija was at my house when her father passed. Right? I came to the hospital when your father passed, right? I've been in there. There's other situations where I see when my grandmother passed, all the family was there and I was asked to pray over her, right? God, he'd be like, I'm going to do it now because everybody is in position. I'm going to do it now because it's the perfect time, right? I got this window to work in. 
any other time, this might take y'all a lot, but I want you to know that I'm there. So he basically said, let's go. These things said he, and after he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he's asleep, he shall do well. Right? Why are we going if this man is just asleep? Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. And I know a lot of times, right, when, I, when, when, when this is preached, it doesn't feel comforting, right, to say, like, your daddy just sleep. You're like, but I want him here. Right? But 11 years ago, God said, I'm going to give him rest. I'm going to give him rest. Right? And I'm going to deliver. And I'm going to resurrect. And let me tell y'all something. I wouldn't be comfortable saying that to you if God ain't say it to me. Because I was there when he was sitting in that Bible study and he was telling me about Mississippi. And he was telling me when he gave his life to the Lord. Right? So that gives me confidence. Right? When I start to see all of these signs of how God has been there. I've never seen a man who was willing to allow his daughters, right, to just go be with people when they were that young. And didn't care about them going to church and doing all of them things, right? So that's, that's even further evidence that he was okay with Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm going to say that because some people are going to hell. I ain't trying to put him in no place, but I'm confident. Because I don't believe the Lord would have told me that otherwise. I don't believe he would have told me what he was going to do, right? And have me preach this sermon if he was going to do something else. Because when I'm reading this scripture, right, back in the fourth verse when Jesus say this sickness is not unto death, that tells me that God knows. That God knows. Right? Then said Jesus unto them plainly. Right? They thinking, why are we going if he just sleep? Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Watch this now. This is going to blow your mind. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. I remember when I got the call that Pastor Carter was going to the hospital. I was in our house now and we were not living in there yet and I was painting the kitchen. And I remember the, I was painting the red paint on the wall with maroon like Brother Janelle Jackie. And I remember painting. I remember I was painting the pantry. And I got the phone call that Pastor Carter. They taking her to the hospital. And we going to the hospital. And, and rightly so, people are gathered around and they're crying. And I remember the desire to pray and say, God, put her back on her feet. Don't take her. And then, like I heard his voice and say, just pray for my will. Just pray for my will. Just pray for my will. Right? And that's a hard thing to do when the people that we love are being taken away from us. But Jesus just told him, he said, I'm glad I wasn't there to put Lazarus back on his feet. Right? 
Because I'm doing it right. I'm doing it for you to believe. Nevertheless, let's go. Then said Thomas, which was called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Right. Sometimes we think we understand what God is doing, but we don't. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had laying in the grave four days already, right? And the number four means new creation, right? Lazarus has been laying in this grave four days. We thinking he dead, but God is doing something new. We thinking he dead, but God is getting the mansion ready, not made by him. We thinking he dead, but God is preparing a new body. He's preparing a new place. He's preparing a new home, right? We thinking he's doing one thing. God is doing something totally different. Now, Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Right? So just like a lot of times when people die, all ever, just like I said, what Pastor Carter, people begin to gather. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went unto him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And so when these verses write, once again, Martha is thinking, okay, God, I hear what you're saying, right? He going to come back to life, right? But I still like, I know I know you had a power to raise him for the dead, but you're talking about the resurrection day, right? You're talking about at the end of time, right? Jesus, he's like, no, that's what he's thinking in his head. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Right? You got to read those two verses together. It's talking to those that are dead and those that are alive. In Christ, you are always alive. Right? He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's Papa Cox. Right? That's all the saints that have gone. Right? You know, I'm often surprised. I'm often surprised if you ever watch like a biography, you watch all these singers and people and they telling them whatever they're doing now. It always started at the beginning. They start singing in the church. <laughs> They start singing in the church. I don't care who it was, Whitney Houston, whoever. They start singing in the church. Right? And I mentioned that story about my journal because, you know, we looking with our eyes and we looking how far people have fallen or how far they have strayed or whatever. But it's something about Jesus, right? When the words say he would never leave or forsake. If a decision is ever made, a decision is made. Thank you, Lord Jesus. She said unto him, yeah, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ and the Son of God, which should come into the word. And when she had, and when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master has come and calling for thee. 
As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. And I can imagine that both of those sisters were going through different emotions. One ran out to Jesus, one stayed in the house, and I believe both of them knew Jesus, but, you know, for whatever reason, she stayed in the house, right? She didn't, she didn't get up quickly until her sister said, Jesus, looking for you. Then it's like, okay, let me get up. But who knows? Maybe she was holding a little something in her Maybe she, Maybe she couldn't verbalize all the way quite yet what the other sister said. Jesus, if you had a bit here, right? Maybe she couldn't verbalize that. Who knows what her, what her grieving looked like? But at 29th verse, as soon as she heard, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but it was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, then she rose up hastily and went out, following her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. And that's the thing. I truly believe that when somebody passes, you know, people have our, uh, they have good intentions in mind. They want to feed us. They want to sit with us. They want to cry with us. They want to comfort us, right? But when somebody passes, y'all, and, and I'm not just saying that's the first thing you hit them with. But when somebody passes or somebody is grieving, give them Jesus. God brought to my remembrance a sermon I preached way back in America, but I just, I remember the title being, I cry because the Lord cries. And I was talking about, you know, y'all have seen me cry in this church, or pretty much any time I'm doing altar call. The reason I take my glasses off, because I know it's going to start and the glasses going to fog up, so ain't no point in even having them on. Right. But I cry that that sermon, I cry because the Lord cries is because that lesson number one, love. Pastor Carter used to teach that crying shows humbleness. God wouldn't have gave you tear ducts if he didn't want you to cry, man. Right. He wouldn't have put them in you. He would have have gave them to the women and didn't give no men no tear ducts. Right. But it shows humbleness. If Jesus, right. If Jesus can weep, then why we can't weep? If Jesus can feel something, then why we can't feel something? That's part of surrendering. That's part of letting go. That's part of admitting, right? That stuff ain't right, that I've been hurt, that that I'm desiring God. I'm desiring for you to do something. I'm desiring for you to move. I'm desiring for it not to be this way or to look this way, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. They say she going to the grave to weep. She wasn't going to the grave to meet. She was going to meet Jesus. She was going to see if Jesus could make it all right. And sometimes we so quick to go to the grave, right? But the first thing we need to do is to go to Jesus so Jesus can address the grave situation. Go to Jesus first. Go to Jesus first. Thank you, Lord. And when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down. God, he giving it to you step by step. Right? She didn't go fall on the grave. She went and fell at the feet of Jesus. It's saying when she came, right, she saw him. She fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, He groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And said unto him, Lord, come and see. 
Jesus wept. And so I started out by saying he wasn't crying right because he was dead. I came to that conclusion because in the fourth verse, Jesus said he would not die. So he was not crying because Lazarus was dead. He knew Lazarus was alive. Jesus was crying because the people that he loved was hurt. Jesus was crying because the people that he loved thought Lazarus was dead and it was paining them. And he saw the sorrow that they had in their heart. Right? And I also believe that he was crying because he wanted so desperately for them to believe in him. How did you come to that conclusion, Pastor? Because in the fourth verse, he says, this has happened so that I would be glorified. He wanted so desperately. And whether you like it or not, one of the things that God does, one of the greatest miracles that God does is to raise things from the dead. How can you be raised from the dead if you never die? Right? That's the whole premise of Easter, that he got up out of the grave. Now, you can believe God for your, your, your financial breakthrough. You can believe God for your business. You can believe God for a spouse. You can believe God for all this other stuff. Why can't you believe him for resurrection power? He wanted so desperately, right? And I believe he wanted so desperately for them to believe because he just like I say, he can sense, right? He can sense that faith wavering in you. Just like I said, I believe if it had to happen at any other time, it would have took you out. So Jesus just don't leave you there in your grief. He don't just leave you there in his grief. He said, let me step in. He said, let me have you somewhere where somebody can help pick you up, right? That's his way of comforting you, right? And he's weeping and he's wanting so desperately for you to trust him because he knows, right, if I don't step in, if I don't do this thing, if I don't make a way, right, if they don't believe, then what's the alternative? They're going to go the other way and be lost. And how many people do we know, right, who have turned their back on God because of loss? Not just lost of a loved one, but just lost innocence, lost virginity, right? Lost funds, lost friends, just lost. They're going to turn their back on God because of loss. How many people that we know that? Then that's why Jesus is weeping because he's like, I'm right here. Right? They said with their mouth, God, if you had been here, God was like, I'm always here. And that's what we do. We say, God, if you had been here, he like, where did I go? Where did I go? I've always been here. I ain't going nowhere. He back at home saying Lazarus not there. He didn't even have to do no autopsy. He didn't even have to do no checkup. He didn't even have to take his temperature. He already knew Lazarus ain't dead. He ain't dead. He sleep. But we saying, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Where have you laid him? Then said the Jews, beloved, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? So then they start to question his power. He can do this, but he can't do that. He can do this, but he can't do that. 
How many of us do that? God can do this, but he can't do that. And I believe that's another reason why Jesus wept. He like, imagine after all you've done, you done made blind people see, you done made the lame walk, you done walked on water, you just out here turning water into wine, you performing all of these miracles and people still treating you like he can do this, but he can't do that. And then on top of that, you carrying the weight knowing, and I got to die for these people? And I, and, I, and I know that the Father's will have, I'm, and I got to get up on the cross, and they won't even believe, right? They murmuring like, like I can't hear them, like I'm standing right here, and you talking about me in my face. Jesus. Right. Could he, this man should not have died. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, coming to the grave, it was a cave, and the stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. There's some stuff in our life that stinks. There's some dead stuff in our life that that stinks, and we got it sealed up. We got the stone rolled tight. We thinking it ain't no way out of it. We thinking it ain't no way back from it, right? The relationship is so toxic at this point. The debt is so bad at this point. I've made too many mistakes at this point. If anybody knew what I've done, if anybody knew what I thought, if anybody knew where I've been, right, they would think they would be disgusted with me. Right? Martha, like the body already decomposing. We can't roll the stone back on that. It's going to be disgusting. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said unto her, right? The number 40 means test and trial. That's the thing. Your test and trial is going to require you to be uncovered. That's a part of surrendering. God going to have to roll the stone back on your stuff. If you don't want the stone rolled back on your stuff, right, you can't come out the grave. You got to let him pop the top on it. You got to let him pull the sheet on it. Right? And it might stink. It might expose you. Jesus said that for that verse said I not unto thee didn't I tell you that if thou would believe thou should see the glory of God then they took the stone away from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank thee that thou hast heard thee and I know that thou always hearest me but because of these people we stand by, I said it, that they, that they believe, right? Jesus didn't even really want to speak it because he felt like it was an insult to God, right? Because I know when you know, you don't have to speak on it, right? And that's what we do. Sometimes we try to talk our way into belief instead of just standing on the promise. We got to try to talk ourselves into it. I'm guilty of that. That's why, God, I had to always go back to my journals because I'll be struggling. I'll be waving like, God, you really going to do this? So y'all might be thinking, y'all don't do it. I'm letting you know I do. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there like, God, where you at? And every single time I go back, he showed me that he's been there all along the way, right? I'll be trying to I be trying to reconfirm my faith. I'll be trying to give myself a pep talk. I'll be trying to speak life over myself instead of just standing still on the word and waiting and allowing him to demonstrate what he's already promised because without fail, he does it every single time. Amen. 
Mm-hmm. You say, Father, I thank you because you heard me. Right. I know that thou hearest me always because of the people which stand by. I said it that they might believe that I have sent me. Right. He's like, I told you, your daddy going to be all right, but I'm going to tell you again. I told your pastor 11 years ago, but I'm going to tell you again, because y'all be needing y'all be needing confirmation that everything going to be all right, even though I already said it. And that's why I don't understand why we be coming in here sad and burdened when he's already given us the answer. When Joshua, he already tell us that the victory is ours, right? When he already tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, or we more than conquerors, or he's telling he's told us that I've never seen my seed forsaken or begging for bread, like all of those things. He's already told us those things, but then we need confirmation. He said, I'm gonna say it for y'all one more time. He said, He's sitting there like God, I know you're gonna do it, but for them, for my daughter, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for confirmation. Because I love bird brains. I love doubtful minds. Lord, I thank you. The 43rd verse says, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I heard a preacher say one time, he said he had to call him by name because he had to just said, come forth. Everything in the graveyard getting up. Everybody in there getting up. So he had to call him by name, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. When God rolled a stone back on your stuff, you ain't gonna come out brand new with a new outfit on. You're gonna still come out with the grave clothes on. Right? But over time, God will take those things off of you. Right? Everything that's binding you, all the stuff that put you in the grave in the first place, he'll take them away. And that'll be you that he says, loosen. Looser. Let him go. Let him go. Jesus wept, y'all, because of the first lesson. Because he loves you. And that's why love is the number one lesson. It covers a multitude of sins, right? It makes right what's wrong. It puts you back in relationship with God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus wept because he loves us and he desires desperately for us to believe in him. That's where power comes from. Holy Ghost power is attached to your belief. Deliverance is attached to your belief. Being used by God is attached to your belief. If you don't feel like you can do it, you ain't going And I'm saying feel, but I mean like Your business is only going to be as great as your belief in God. I didn't say your belief in you. I say your belief in God. Because I, it, you can't convince me that if I give this thing to God, this thing won't be great. 
You can't, you can't convince me that if I give my child to God, my child won't be great. You can't convince me that if I give my finances, if I give my time, if I give my energy to God, then this thing is not going to bring forth life. You can't convince me of that. Because whatever he touches, right, all he got to do is speak a word. Let that be light. Boom, you got light. It's just that simple for them. Jesus will. Amen. Amen. He knows the beginning and he knows the end and everything in between. None of, none of, none of us are here by coincidence. Like I told y'all, I read I read for about three hours. I'm just reading a journal and I'm like, Page after page after page, God just blowing my mind. And there was a particular, there's a particular spot in my journal where I want to say, and this one I thought about you, brothers. Now I want to say I asked the Lord to. Um, it was something along the lines of renew my, like renew my spirit. Like no, I said, I told him, I said I want to rededicate myself to you. And right after I said it, similar to how I, I, I want to know if y'all caught where Martha say, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's that kind of statement. When you reaffirm your belief in the Lord, right? I say, I want to rededicate myself to you. And right after I said that, I began writing everything that I was to God. I'm your mouthpiece. I'm your servant. I'm your, right? I start saying stuff like, I'm not going to live for money. I'm going to take my eyes off of man. I'm going to be okay being lonely. I'm going to be okay without getting recognition. I started writing all of these things out. Right? And I'm telling y'all that story because God will remind you of the prayers that you prayed. When you start getting started, get out your brain. And I just said, my God, my God, you've already given me the answer. That's why it's like this. That's why I refuse to have cameras up in y'all face while we have the church. Or advertise God like he's a club. That's why I'm going to come see about you when you're going through something in your house. That's why I'm going to take you to eat. Or, right? I had so many prayers in there about you. And I'm reading back. I'm reading back over the years and all the many situations, right? I read about a 40-day, I did a 40-day fast, right? And one of those, one of those days, it was Thanksgiving, and we was at y'all house, and I wrote in the Lord, I kept a good fight. Because <laughs> Mama Aretha had all that food spread out, right? But I want y'all to know that every single day of that fast, because I was still at work in the classroom, and I was writing down, I talked to this person on this day, I gave a word on this thing. I gave a word on that day. When I got to the end of the fast, the Lord said, and here is the lesson. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. I'm telling y'all that because when you join a church, when you join a house, you 
you are connected to whatever that move of God is. And I know God got all other kind of houses and other churches with, with saints in them. But this right here, this something special. special because I seen him go the extra mile I just I was thinking and then I'm a hush y'all I'm just, I'm just some fool I was thinking I want y'all I want my children to know and you know and I hope to live a bunch of more years but if I ever pass y'all gonna have my whole y'all gonna see my whole journey with the Lord you're going to be able to see when I was going through in my marriage. You're going to be able to see when I was going through on my job. You're going to be able to see when I was going through my children. You're going to be able to see the prayers I prayed for my mama, the ones I prayed for my sisters, the ones I prayed for my best friend. You're going to see how God built all of this. You're going to see every struggle. You're going to see the prayers I said for my pastor when she was sick. You're going to be able to see everything. You're going to have everything you need. Everything you need. Every answer you need going to be written down for you by year, by time. You're going to be without excuse. Amen. See, when you think about stuff like that, it makes you want to cry. Also going on.